Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and uh, horror adjacent films that you can stream on the internet. Back from our unplanned hiatus, I'm your <laughs> co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the prairie demon that brings you hard seltzer and laughter, Mars! Hello! Marcy! I miss you so much! I missed you! How have you been? I've been I've been good. Yeah. I mean, you know, usual usual business, usual work stress. But I mean, yes. you know, all in all, pretty okay. How about Do- you? Doing okay for someone living in a place of Delta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Remember how we were worried that we were gonna be super awkward when we went back out into the world? Turns out we didn't need to worry. <laughs> That's my silver lining and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> anything else been going on anything exciting since we were last together honestly no (laughs) really everything's kind of the same but yeah you know i don't know living through the the first wave of the pandemic i think is making me understand how to how to do the second wave a little bit more so there's less of that we're veterans at the pandemic right there's less of that like Oh, you know, I don't know how to go about this or how to, you know, what's okay. And what's, I, you know, I think we have a better idea of it now. So it's a little bit just like, right. <sighs> this again. I will say, as much as it sucked, there was some novelty to the first round. <laughs> this one lacks the novelty factor, mm-hmm. but it, it's upped the suck factor. So there's that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Spooky season is almost upon us. Oh. And I know we are in a place of Delta, but do you have any fun, exciting plans? Or how are you planning on ringing in this spooky season? I guess is a better way to put it. Because let's face it, we none of us have exciting plans right now. I know. <laughs> well, I actually, for that that weekend, the very last weekend of October, I actually am braving the world and All going right. back down to California to see my guy again. Because... Nothing, you know, things just keep getting in the way, but we got to, got to hang in there and do something. So I get to spend the weekend with him and I'm very excited about that despite the planes and the airports, but you know, know, it's okay. Traveling. (laughs) I think if you take appropriate precautions, you will be fine. Mm -hmm. At some point, your mental health has to be a factor, right? You know what I mean? You got to take care of all of your organs, including your brain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I had some real, real self-reflective conversations before i planned this trip because i was just kind of like am i being real selfish is this a bad you know and then i had a couple people be like well but here's the thing your mental health is clearly suffering you need to take care of that and i think the answer is going to see him so you know eventually i was like yeah you know what you're right i gotta do something you gotta do like dj he has this hepa filter and i have one too because of dj this hepa filter mask have you seen this oh you told me about this you need to get one of those because then you can be on the plane and you have a hepa filter and it'll be blowing air in your face so you won't have to be sucking through a mask yeah i might consider that you know when you're hyperventilating on the plane yeah. <laughs> or is that just me <laughs> <laughs> So but, are you guys, uh, when you're going to be down here during the height of spooky season. So are you guys planning on doing anything Halloween themed, anything, or do you have like a costume? What are you thinking? Do not have a costume. We hadn't really talked about doing anything Halloween themed 
mostly what we talked about was all the different ways we're just going to stay cooped away from the the masses. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep, yep. But are are any of those involved carving a pumpkin? I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my god! I mean. Uh, up in Portland, this kind of season is when Sabi's Island opens up and they start doing the pumpkin patches and all the, you know, fruits and things. I know, but... I want to do all the Halloween things. Hurley and I had plans. We were going to go, you know... I mean, this is tentative months ago when we thought everything yeah. was going to be okay. And we were, like, yeah. talking about all the things we were looking forward to. And that was one of them is, you know, Hurley and I did the Honden Corn Maze one year before yeah. the pandemic. And I was excited to go do that. I was excited to... You know, Hurley and I were going to go out to Sabi's Island and maybe do pumpkins and things. And and now I'm just like, I don't know. Huh. I feel like you, it's outdoors. You could probably yeah. do that. You could social distance. I mean, a corn maze is social distancing by its own nature, right? And the haunted corn maze is social distance by defect because you're just running from every human you see. <laughs> Oh, there's actors inside the haunted maze? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, so they do regular corn maze for the fall. And Uh then in in October, I think it might just even be the second half of October, but they make it haunted where they hire actors who dress up in costumes and jump out of the corn and stuff. And it is terrifying. But Didn't so much fun. Did you have a dream that there was like a giant spider chasing me through the haunted corn maze? You, you did, maybe, because I told you about the giant no, spider. No, no, I'm asking. Have... Oh, no, that's what it is. You, okay, I thought you had a dream, but you actually saw a giant spider. That's what it was. Yeah, They. so the last year we went, they had this giant spider that was on wheels. So it was a person inside of it just moving it around, but it was <laughs> 12 feet tall. And the wheel, the legs were attached to the wheels so that when the wheels turned, the legs would move. No. And so mm-hmm. it looked like it was it was so scary because it somehow it wasn't that far back in this little alcove. And it's a huge cut in the in the corn because they have to fit this giant thing in there. But it was just the right kind of shadow where you couldn't see it until it started moving. Ooh, it was no. so scary. Ooh, no, oh, my no, God. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's that time of year, apparently, where all the spiders are out finding lady spiders to make some baby spiders. Whenever I go, because I always go for a walk late at night because, you know. I'm goth or whatever. Also, I don't <laughs> want to see other people. But every time I walk outside, I was joking with Matilda because every time she goes anywhere lately, a dog runs up to her and wants pets. Whereas every time I go outside, I just walk face first into a spider. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so grim, dude. It's so fucking grim. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, maybe maybe you'll end up doing something spooky because, I mean, it is the it is the time of our people. I know. And this people. is. This is the second Halloween in a row that is happening during a pandemic. Right. And remember last year's before it happened and everybody was like, everybody, let's just stay safe because this Halloween is on a Friday and it's a full moon. Oh my God, we were so naive. We were three months prior to Halloween and we're like, if we all just are careful, we'll be able to have Halloween. (laughs) Like, oh, Mm -hmm. those poor sweet summer children that we (laughs) were. Summer children. Yeah. So I have, I've been told, I told you before the show, I'm setting up my perfect backyard oasis. And part Mm -hmm. of what's going to happen is, you know, the back of our house is white. And so uh, a friend of ours has a projector. So they're going to bring over the projector and we're going to watch scary movies on the wall and and barbecue. Yeah. And like not give children candy because we're grown up jerks who are going to be in the backyard. (laughs) (laughs) But I may, I'm thinking I might do a little decorating in the backyard. Ooh. Make it a little Halloween themey for when we're back there watching the movie. Oh, that would be cool. Right? I just gotta figure out what we're gonna watch. That's the question. Maybe the new Halloween. Ooh. Because that that's coming out on Peacock, so it'll be out. 
That trailer looks so good. It looks so good. It looks so good. Did you like the 2018 one? I didn't see it. <gasps> Marzi! <laughs> oh, you were for such a treat. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is it on any streaming services? Because if it is, I'm changing <laughs> my pick. So, yes, I think maybe we'll just do, we'll watch the new Halloween and, yeah, that's that's my big spooky season plans. But I'll let you yeah. know how it goes. When we, I mean, when we honestly, we had talked about watching scary movies you know when i go visit him in california but doing it real because i it's been so long since i've watched a scary movie in the dark and actually Ooh. set like a scary movie vibe so we're gonna we're gonna do that that was one of the things i want to do is just hole up and just watch scary movies in the dark and actually try to be scared <laughs> does your dude like horror movies yeah oh awesome yeah that's very important that's yeah, a, that's a very important key compatibility thing for me. <laughs> you either have to like horror movies or be, just be willing to sit through them. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen the new James Wan movie, Malignant? No, not yet. <sighs> it is a wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe watch that with your dude. <laughs> I mean, it's not good, but oh. it, it must be seen. <laughs> okay. It's very divisive. People either love it or they hate it. But I don't know. I think it's a fun movie to watch with someone. If they're willing to watch kind of a wild movie. <laughs> uh, I'm into it. Okay, good. Awesome. Well, all right. I, I feel like we'll, we'll we'll check in on the next one and see how our, our, we've got our spooky spirits up yet. Because it's not quite October yet as we're recording this. But I can feel it. I can, I can feel this. I can sense it coming. I'm trying to not be a bummer about it because instead of being like, it's October, I'm like, well, it's our second pandemic Halloween, but I'm trying to not be Eeyore about the whole situation. You are going to get to celebrate this year. That helps. It's true. True. You know, last year, part of what sucked about it is we all just were like, well, I guess we'll just watch TV. I know. Some people made candy shoots for people. You know <laughs> I mean? It was just grim. But this year, I think we've all accepted our new lot in life. Of course, next door, I'm sure there's going to be a fucking rager. Oh, yeah. guaranteed that the guys that fix cars under the table next door all day and night are definitely throwing a Halloween party. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I need to find like a fart bomb or something I can throw over in their backyard. Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> like it wouldn't hurt anyone. It would just be a fart bomb and smell really bad. And like, yes, I would experience some collateral damage, but spiritually it'd be so good for me to yeah. fart bomb them. Plus it's very aligned with the Halloween theme, you know, tricks or treats. Did you hear Randy in the background when I said that? No. I was like, I want to fart bomb the neighbors. And for the first time in podcast history, he was not able to hold back from being like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I've become such a grumpy old fuck. <laughs> I think we all have because, you know, like I used to make jokes about in the summer when all the high school kids would come and fuck around in the cemetery. And I felt like such an old man because I'd be like, get up. This is. Get off my porch, you know, because this is my, this is not a playground for you, you know? And now everybody is kind of in that same, like, this is my space. How dare you be, you know? Because mm -hmm. we've had to. It's one more thing that's brought everybody to the same level as me on. Yeah. You're like, welcome to the crotchety lands. <laughs> Protect your Everything area. Everything is annoying from as far as the eye can see. <laughs> now everybody sees the clearly marked invisible boundaries that separate my space from your space. Oh, God. I wish that were true because I definitely do not feel like me everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough grump hour. I feel like we're warmed up. So let's take a quick break and then we will get back. We will get into our movie, which this time you selected The Wind. All right. And we are 
back. Now, Mars, before we get into this, I need you to do me a solid and remind our listeners and let our new listeners know what our spoiler policy is here on Stream Queens. We are going to spoil the whole movie, starting mm-hmm. at the beginning, ending at the end. All of it. So if you don't, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, now would be the time to pause this, go watch The Wind on Netflix, and then come back and listen to us talk about it. If you are okay with it being spoiled, I guess hang out. But, you know, personally, my feelings, I don't know, I'm feeling more and more these days, like, I feel like every movie I'm always like, yeah, don't spoil this one. Yeah. Even though it's not, even though usually I only say that, I used to only say that about movies that had some sort of twist or some mm-hmm. sort of like... And now lately, I don't, I don't know what has changed, but now I'm like, don't spoil anything. <laughs> or what? Our lives got a little smaller and movies matter a little more. <laughs> you know that sense of being alive? Don't spoil this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. All right. So The Wind, and this is from 2018. It is directed by Emma Tammy. This was her feature film debut. Before this, she did mostly documentaries. And this is the movie that she basically cites as being the moment where she said, where she realized that making narrative films is what she was born to do. So in an interview with the Toronto Film Festival, she said, I don't know if there was a singular moment where I said, this is absolutely what I want to do because I have been passionate about filmmaking for such a long time from such a young age. But I will say that for the first time I was working on set for the wind, my first fiction. And I thought, this is what I want to do forever. It wasn't the same way with documentary. That always felt like an ongoing process. So that's kind of cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Since then, she's gone on to do two episodes of the Hulu series In the Dark. She did Delivered and Blood Moon, which I believe was the series final movie. And she was working on a series for Netflix called Devil in Ohio about a girl who escapes a cult. A family takes her in and maybe is not so innocent as she seems. She was attached to that. I looked it up and they have announced that it's coming out on Netflix. They've announced some of the stars. But if you look at IMDb, her name, there's no director currently linked. And that could just be because they haven't officially made that note, that information public. Or maybe she's left the project. I don't know. But hopefully it's the latter. Yeah. Yep. So that's what I've got for the background. Now you selected this movie. Can you tell me a little bit about why you chose The Wind? You know, it's one of those movies that I didn't know anything about. And I literally picked it because the the picture looked interesting. And the premise, anything that, and I know you and I were talking about it earlier. And I wasn't really thinking about it at the time. But those scary movies that have to do, you know, where the fear is connected to isolation is, you know, it's it's got a very scary you know, feeling to it and that being separated from everybody. And this movie takes place in like a prairie, you know, Mm -hmm. where there's really nobody. And so, you know, I was interested in that aspect. And then like we were talking about earlier, like, yeah, I think it hits a little, a little different now. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, on top of that, when I mentioned it, it turned out it was one that you'd been wanting to see, but hadn't seen. So that's just, you know, that's always just the cherry on top. If I, a, find something you haven't seen, but also one you wanted to see. So, yeah, I have not seen Delivered, but I did watch Blood Moon, and I thought she had an interesting perspective as a director. So I was very curious to visit this, but I, it, you know how it is. There's so many movies, TV shows, everything is like content, content, content. If you miss the boat, you rarely are able to go back. You missed it when it first came out. It's so hard. So I 
probably never would have got back to this if it weren't for you. So I'm really, really glad that you were like, this is the one. Because, yeah, I've been curious about it forever. And, I mean, you know, spoiler, I liked it. So I'm gl also glad for that reason that I, you know, I enjoyed it. Good. Well, let's get into it. Why don't you tell me about this movie? So I actually, the second time I watched it, I actually wrote down the events in order because I looked at the Wikipedia and was like, yeah, this is just generalized. I'm going to forget so much shit if I just, so I was like, I, I was watching this. I was like, ooh, <laughs> Mars. <laughs> I'm yeah. Buddy. I'm so glad you picked this movie and not me, not because it wasn't a good movie, but because I was like, this is going to be a chore to synopsize. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So the there's second a time very around, straightforward way to approach it, but it's not how the movie is presented. Yeah, so I wrote it down a second time, but now I'm looking back at it and I'm like, this is not going to be helpful. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> like this, uh... All right. <laughs> I think we're just going to have to wing it. Presumably mm -hmm. anybody who is at this point has seen the movie, they don't really need to know... Every, you know what I mean? They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yeah. And well, if we get it wrong... Again, free podcast. <laughs> Unless you're a patron, and thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here goes uh, something. So this movie starts, I mean, the whole pacing of this movie is pretty, it's very slow and kind of just very ominous. But we start out with Lizzie coming out, our main character, Lizzie, coming out of a house covered in blood and holding a uh, suspiciously quiet baby. Yeah. As this, the scene, you know, unfolds and it's, Clearly, this child, you know, it's very sad. It's, it's. A, I, it, I feel like I don't want to say the words "dead baby" in a podcast, but you know, <laughs> I feel like we've said worse. It, probably. Okay, so I will say, reflecting on this scene and the way that it was composed, where she comes out and then there's the two men standing on either side of her. As I'm remembering it now, having seen the entire movie, takes on a lot more significance. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's unclear at this point who everybody is. And you presumably one of them is the father. And until one of them, well. Steps the, forward. Yeah. One of them, you know, presumably. Well, I mean, we're spoiling this, right? Obviously, the person who thinks he's the father is the one that finally breaks down and cries mm -hmm. and takes the baby. Right? But now having that knowledge of what's really happening here, that composition makes a lot more sense. Right? Because both men have some skin in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, you know, the first time you watch this movie, this being the opening scene, I thought it was her baby. So it took a little right. bit to, you know, even even following this, you know, when they bury Emma and the baby, and I was like, wait, what is going on? And, you know, and it, it but in a good way, it wasn't like in a, this makes no sense. It was right. just like, a, okay, so something, something's going on, something keeping, keeping me here for the rest of the movie. So the, the, father of the baby breaks down steps forward takes the baby from lizzie when lizzie is is bathing afterwards because she's covered in blood and her husband isaac returns and sets the gun down which again at the time was just sort of a nothing moment until you know looking back yeah. on it later and you're like, oh. <laughs> yep, yeah. yep yep and uh they bury emma and the baby and this is the first time we're seeing emma who is missing a good portion of her head from a shotgun shot and so, you know, these are all just little, again, all these things that you're just sort of putting together at the time, but, oh, thinking back on it now, after you, after you see the movie and then watching it, knowing how it goes, it's like, oh, God, okay. Yep. All right. So Isaac and Gideon go to town. Gideon is Emma's husband, and Isaac is going with him into town. He says that 
essentially Gideon's going to move back to Illinois where he and Emma had come from. And, you know, they got to go to town and get some guys to come out and help pack up and everything. And this is the first time in the movie when Lizzie is alone in Mm -hmm. the house and she's, you know, cleaning up. It's blood everywhere. She's hanging out laundry. When she hears snarling, she moves the laundry away and there are wolves. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah so this is i this is where i pause the movie and go www.doesthedog.com <laughs> so i didn't do any research into this movie as per usual so i knew you know oh it's a scary movie creepy things are gonna happen you know whatever but i was still trying to put together what it was at this point right. so lizzie runs into the house the wolves chase her and she's you know defending herself and this I loved this shot where she's you know the wolves have seemed to have backed off, but there's still you know Lizzie's still up you know cautious that there's something out there, and then it's that shot where it's looking at the door and mm-hmm. you can see the shape growing through yes. the crack in the door. Yes, and, and then you see the swirling dust starting to blow through, and this is when I thought werewolves because oh okay right. Not werewolves, turns out, but I was like, I thought it was, I don't know, but that sh- seeing that shape grow through the crack in the door, oh, it was so good. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Mm-hmm. It was so good. And Lizzie shoots at it, and it disappears. This yep. is where, this is why I had to write down <laughs> the narrative roadmap for this, because there's a lot of going back in time. This is an extremely non-linear film. Yeah, yeah. And it took me a minute to figure out you have to watch the state of her hair, essentially, to have any idea what the fuck is happening in this movie. Yeah, that was the thing. The first time I watched it, there were a few times where I couldn't tell. Once I caught on that we were kind of jumping around in time, there were a few times when I couldn't tell if we were in present moments or if this was, you know, previous. But, you know, I think, anyway, I think I figured it out, I think. We'll right. see. Well, once you think you figured it out, then the timeline shifts further back. I know. It's <laughs> like, damn it. I mean, it's it's not bad, but it just it takes you a minute to be like, wait, hold on, I need to re figure out where I am in time in the timeline here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, even though it was the second time around that I was watching this and I was trying to write down the map, even then I was even more so like, okay, before you write it down, figure out where we are first. <laughs> but then, so Lizzie shoots at whatever's on the other side of the door and it leaves and this is uh, the first time when we go back in time a little bit where isaac is riding home and tells lizzie that he they have some new neighbors and he's going to invite them over for dinner and then they have the most uncomfortable dinner where we're meeting emma and gideon for the first time and it's one of the first lines in this dinner scene where gideon is like oh this food is so good and lizzie's like oh thank you and he's like yeah you could probably teach emma a thing or two and it's like oh that is awkward that's a and this is the first meeting these four people are having over dinner and it appropriately lizzie and isaac are making that like oh okay awkward (laughs) 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 yeah i mean it also kind of it kind of shows what the dynamic between emma and gideon is yeah emma and gideon is because she makes that face like seriously you're gonna say that shit in front of we don't know these people but you know yeah and you know as we go through the movie it turns out this isn't really what emma wanted to do and it's all because you know her husband wanted to leave the life they had and all this so it's kind of like 
cool, you made me move out here in the middle of nowhere, and you're going to say mean things about me in front of strangers while I'm also just sitting here? Dope. Cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, the way it's presented, even when you very first meet them, because you don't totally understand the dynamic between the husband and wife, there is an air of mystery to this couple. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. know it's one of the ways that I think this movie does a good job of building sort of this tension and atmosphere, right? They're isolated alone with these people who, I mean, it could, they could be up to anything, right, at this point. Because you have no idea who these people really are. But they're the only people who are nearby. Yeah, and Lizzie makes that comment later on where she's like, in the city, it's so easy for neighbors to stay strangers. But out here, we don't have that choice. And I think about that a lot about other things, even just like buying a house. You're looking at these other houses around you. You're like, whether we like it or not, these are now the people that I live physically closest to. And I know that that's my own social anxieties, but like, you 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 have one bad neighbor and (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Mm -hmm. I totally identify with that. But, you know, I also think about when people used to, you know, homestead like that and someone would move in and you're like, well, I hope you don't suck because you're the only people for 20 miles. Yeah. Hope hope this goes okay. <laughs> in this case, it does not. It doesn't. Not great. So back in present time, Lizzie, having scared away, you know, the, the beast or whatever it was, goes out into the yard and finds that it has killed her goat. This is important for the future. Right. In another back-in-time scene, Emma and Lizzie are doing something, and it starts raining, so they're running back to Lizzie and Isaac's house. And this, again, the scene is only important because Emma's kind of just talking to them about their lives and how long they've been together, and this is when it's revealed that Lizzie and Isaac lost a child. Mm -hmm. Their son was stillborn. Later, I guess, I mean, I guess, I think it's present time? I don't know. But later we get an evening where, you know, they're, oh, I guess it would be present time because Isaac's out smoking a pipe on their porch and they can see the light from Emma and Gideon's cabin. And they're just kind of commenting on like, oh, you know, there's actually a light out there when there used to not be. And and that's when she makes the comment about like, it was so easy in the city for neighbors to see strangers and now mm-hmm. they're here. And it's just kind of ominous it's one of those things where all these things as i'm saying them i'm like why am i talking about this but they're all important things later yes you know totally (laughs) i mean that's the thing is this movie is a puzzle it is a puzzle and if you describe it sort of in all linearly it's a fairly simple story but because it's out of sequence it is yeah it's all about understanding how these disparate moments connect and so that when you get the reveal at the end it all kind of comes together yeah so in the telling of it of the way it was you know put together it sounds very like and then this and then this and then this but like it makes sense eventually i hope we'll see how far my we'll see what happens at the end of my notes (laughs) so over that dinner scene isaac has had also offered to help emma and gideon get their farm and their cabin ready for the winter because they just Especially in the scene where Lizzie and Isaac go over to help them do things. It's very, very obvious that this couple is not, did not come from a, from an outdoorsy life. No. You know, and I think one of those details that really, I loved this detail, but it's Lizzie and Emma are in the garden and Emma's kind of talking about their life back in Illinois and how, you know, Gideon was unhappy working for her father and all this and how he's Mm -hmm. not strong like Isaac. 
And Ooh. but the, the de- yeah, yeah. When she does the thing about the furniture, and she's like, "My father made all of our pieces. He was a real man." And then like totally, I fucks Isaac. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> uh oh, 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 no." <laughs> but one of the details I really liked about this scene is that Emma and Lizzie are weeding what will is going to be their garden area, their garden patch, and. Lizzie is wearing working gloves, right? And Emma is wearing fashion gloves, right? They're not actually like work gloves. Yeah. Yeah. And they're kind of clean and they're not beat up. And they are definitely of the style of not like, oh, these are for working outside. Yeah. And I loved that detail because that is part of what the issues kind of stem from for that couple is that they are not ready. Yeah. They're not well suited for that would be like putting me (laughs) on the frontier. It would, I would not be good. I'm too soft. It is not for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting detail because it's not like they call a lot of attention to it. What they do call a lot of attention to is when Emma's like, oh, I'm going to go bring water to the men and then holds the cup for Isaac, but then gives the cup to Gideon. And Lizzie's kind of watching from a distance just like, yeah, that's not great. Yeah, she's not missing anything. It's just so... I, the one thing I will say is I just wanted her to confront Isaac so bad. So bad in this movie. And I mean, she does. Just not verbally. Right. <laughs> but we'll get there. But yeah, in these moments, I was just imagining it. And I, and I don't know if it's a reflection of her character or specifically the time that they're in. The way she just watches but never says anything is interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, even in that moment, she and Isaac make eye contact after it. And it was, it did seem like the very, like, okay, just as long as you know that I saw that. (laughs) Yep. Okay, so I don't really know where this came from. But at one point, Lizzie feels ill. So she takes some, some, what looks like aspirin and takes a nap. But when she wakes up, there's been a storm. And all the laundry's on the ground and her, you know, drying lines have fallen down and she finds that dead baby chick and so she's kind of just wandering around picking things up when she comes across her dead goat who's not dead anymore no big witch energy here yeah yeah so of course she does what really smartest move kills the goat at that point you're like i don't know what you are but i'm uncomfortable with you being here so poor goat yeah yeah but i mean and again it's one of those things that since we're spoiling the whole thing anyway at the end, when we get this, the scene where Isaac gives Lizzie the gun, and he's like, the next time you think you see a demon, shoot it. And yep. so it makes sense now, knowing that the second time watching it, that it's because she thought she was seeing a demon. And you know what? I don't blame her, because yep. she found that goat dead. Yep. I'm curious to see what your interpretation of, the when we get to the end, what you think is real and what is not real. Because I think there is room for a complex answer. Yeah, I'm going to give you a little teaser. I'm very confused. Okay, good. Well, then I think let's, well, definitely when we get to the end, let's let's sort out our feelings. Yeah, yeah. I need to talk about it because I do not know where I stand. Okay, like, good. I have so <laughs> many conflicting emotions about I, it. I mean, I, I immediately took to the internet and was like, wait, what? And yeah. and it's so ambiguous. I feel like I, I think I know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Okay. So. Going back in time again, Gideon shows up at Isaac and Emma's house in the middle of the night, and he says that Emma's sick. So they all go over there, and Lizzie's like, you know, you you guys should wait out here. It doesn't make sense for us all to get sick. And Gideon's like, yeah, it's not really that kind of sickness. 
So Emma goes in and or Lizzie goes in and finds Emma hiding under her bed, just kind of repeating, you know, like he's coming for me. He wants my baby. I can't sleep because he's coming for me. Mm-hmm. And she is terrified. And she makes all the comments about like, we're not supposed to be here and this land isn't right. And Lizzie ends up chloroforming her, basically. And she comes out of the house and tells Gideon, like, you know, put your wife in bed and tie her to it. It's interesting to watch this because at first she approaches her sort of gently. And then when she gets slapped, she's just like, oh, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) And you see the other side of her. You see that she's so placid through almost this entire movie. Despite how terrifying it is, she very rarely shows a lot of emotion. And this is the first time I think we see that. And we're introduced to her after she's conducted this cesarean on a dead body. And she's still totally sort of obviously serious that you read maybe a sadness i don't know if that's necessarily the truth but you see kind of but she's very stoic there's a stoicism to her and you see a little bit of that crack when she gets slapped yeah it was so interesting it was such a subtle little move just in the look in her eyes uh-huh i loved it oh me the performance too i thought was great me too and it's our first hint that maybe she's a little dangerous yeah uh-huh 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 which i'm like yes yes i like it feminism (laughs) (laughs) by the way just as a an aside i wanted to mention that tonight i'm not actually drinking a truly or a press Ooh, what are you drinking tonight i was introduced to this by my brother's girlfriend who she and i love sour ales and sean loves sour ales too yeah but they found this one that they brought over the last time they were over but it's a portland brewery called breakside and it's a passion fruit sour ale it's so good I'm enjoying your sour ale journey. I am. The good news is, is that means that you are going to be able to drink some of my beers when you come visit because I have a bunch of sour saisons. Ooh, I love sour beers and sour ales. Oh my gosh. Ooh, I got some fancy as fuck ones to share with you then. I'm not really a beer person. No, you're not. Usually it's pretty much just sours. But I I think the key is to find the kind of beer that you like, right? People assume beers are like lagers and lagers suck. You know, you got to find your, for me, it's, it's stouts and, and sours. That's what I like. Stouts and sours. I guess that's true. Yeah. I never think of sours as its own like category, but it's the same as people being like, oh, I just really love IPAs right. or something, you know? Cause they're insane. But yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> IPAs have ruined beer, but whatever. We won't, I won't get on my high horse about IPAs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we got enough right. trying to get through the wind. You don't need to hear me ranting about IPAs. We can make that uh, a Patreon content where we just listen to to, listen to Rachel rally against IPAs. Oh, dude, I, <laughs> the scourge of the beer community is the IPA. And don't get me started on hazies. If you don't like it, no, see, here I go. Never mind. Okay, let's move forward. <laughs> okay, moving on. I have feelings, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and plenty of, of time to have sat alone in your house with all the feelings oh, yeah. and the thoughts. As someone who's trying to get their beer sent to them at home because the world has shut down to me, it's like, do you know how... Okay, all right, so, the wind. (laughs) The wind. So we get another scene that takes place prior to current day where Lizzie is reading to a, a visibly pregnant Emma. And she's reading a book, you know, it has to do with spirits and things. And Lizzie starts getting that, like, maybe this is not the best thing to be reading to you right now. So she kind of tries to politely be like, oh, you know, maybe let's just finish this later. And Emma tells her, like, it's okay. It's not actually a spirit. It's a person in the book. And you can keep the book and all this. And this is interesting foreshadowing, I think, right? Because the books that she has in her trunk, I guess, 
which by the way looks very pregnant just side note are all gothic ghost stories and this is essentially is a gothic ghost story on the plains right Mm -hmm. and so one piece of evidence that maybe there aren't spooky doings going on is the fact that she says this here that you know like it just turns out it's a person it's not necessarily a ghost so you don't need to be afraid and it ties into this shared fear that they have of the demon demons of the prairie right even though they haven't talked about it Mm -hmm. but it also could be the director telling us or the writer telling us something you know foreshadowing of what we're going to discover about what's really happening here yeah i yeah i mean i have lots of questions but yes this is some of them Mm -hmm. has to do with that because in this this scene emma says she sees something at night and that it whispers to her and that gideon tells her there's nothing there and it's just the wind and we get a further flashback of Lizzie remembering, you know, because Emma makes that comment. She's like, remember all the graves you saw on your way here and all this? And Lizzie kind of remembers her journey in and receiving her Demons of the Prairie pamphlet, mm-hmm. which is creepy. Mm-hmm. That's a, another piece of evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then kind of in between flashback, because it's post traveling to their homestead site, but prior to emma and gideon we see lizzie in her living room and she's pregnant so you know we already know that they had lost the baby at one point but she's singing in german to her pregnant belly when someone knocks on the door and she goes to answer and no one's there so she just kind of bafflingly goes back about her business Mm -hmm. not would not be the move that i would make i would first of all i probably would not have answered that door but if i had and there was no one there i'd been like okay someone knocked Mm-hmm. So this is no longer a safe zone. But then yeah. I mean, I think what that that is that she said she'd seen something, she believes something's out there, but Isaac is doesn't believe her, and so she's trying to behave in a way that he wants. Right. Yeah. That's what I because... think happened cuz yeah, I somebody knocks, clearly knocks and then there's no one there and it's the prairie then Yeah. This is not a doorbell ditching teenager. This no, is no, 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 bad no. news. Your, even your if house it's not is a not demon, getting TP'd. <laughs> no, even if it's not a demon, it means that there is now a person out there in the prairie who has made it to your house. Mm-hmm. That's also not great. Mm-hmm. Not great. Not great. So Lizzie has gone back to her rocking chair and just back up to her business when the knock comes again. But this time she hears Isaac's voice. Mm-hmm. So she gets up and answers. And even worse, still no one there. But she heard Isaac calling her. Not great. But then we get a lot of demon stuff where the candles and the fireplace all blow out and she can't get them relit until all of a sudden they're very lit. Mm-hmm. And everything's everything's going crazy. And the next thing we know, or it's the next morning, Isaac has returned from town and he finds Lizzie up in their attic space just ruined. Yes. Mentally. Mm-hmm. And she's chanting, you know, she's praying in German. She's rocking. She's kind of catatonic a little bit, you know, and he has to kind of break her out of that. And it's bad, bad times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, I guess because what can you do on the on the frontier? There's very little you can do. But the underreacting that Isaac does in this scene, I think, is. Because even if she had told him, like, it was a demon and he didn't believe her. The real fear should have been, well, it wasn't a demon, but it was a human person who came across my cabin with my pregnant wife inside and I wasn't here. That should have been, at the very least. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think there's, it speaks to something about, like, he does not believe her and treats her as she's 
always always treats her as if she is hysterical. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah. Mm. Don't yeah. feel that bad for him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so, terrible. <laughs> back in present time, with Gideon and Isaac still gone on their on their trip to town, it's nighttime now, and Lizzie is kind of just. I think it almost seems like she's waiting for it to happen, but she's in her in her house watching the Harper's cabin across the way, and she's the light comes on. Yes. And immediately grabs her coat and goes. That's why it seemed like she was waiting. It seemed like she was just standing there in the window waiting for something to happen. Interesting. I kind of was like, okay, she's sick and tired of this shit, and she wants to be proactive. But I think maybe there is some degree of, if you believe one way or the other, that she's manifesting it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Because then the way she walks so purposefully out of the cabin towards the Harper's cabin with her shotgun, I also got that feeling of her being like, oh, it's over. I can't not doing this anymore. I'm ending this. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe that's why I got a sense of her waiting where she's just waiting for the demon to do something. To do something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because she very purposefully goes over to that cabin and starts just doing the like, what do you want? Why are you still here? What more, you know, is there? And then first, like, very poltergeisty haunty moment happens mm-hmm. where things start shaking and thumping and pillows are exploding and everything and then she turns around and she sees Emma's ghost and passes out understandably yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when she wakes the next day amid all of the feathers and the you know broken shit she finds Emma's journal yeah. oof oof indeed i mean yeah it it can and it confirms everything she was afraid of and that we've been like oh yeah, so in that journal, Emma writes about how, you know, Isaac's the father and stuff, but we get another past moment where Emma is just not doing great mentally. It's not even like she's upset, she's just very, she almost seems possessed, to be honest. The way people in movies, in possession movies, are depicted with that kind of sly, like, I know something you don't know, but it's kind of evil kind of sense to her. She mm-hmm. almost has that. Because she's laying in bed just listing demons from the Demons of the Prairie pamphlet and what they're known for. And Lizzie is like, hey, maybe don't because that's creepy and weird and not great. And Emma starts playing that game with Lizzie where she's asked, you know, what do you think I'm going to name the baby? Three guesses, you know, and she says... If it's a girl, she's going to name her Lizzie after Lizzie because Lizzie's the strongest woman she knows and she wouldn't be alive now if it wasn't for Lizzie. Foreshadow, foreshadow, foreshadow. Yeah. (laughs) But then uh, she's also going to name the baby Isaac. You can see it that, I, you know, Lizzie's expecting that answer and she's kind of like, oh, why? And Emma just, you know why. And it's totally such that, like, possessed demon kind of attitude that mm-hmm. she was reminding me of and then i mean it's goes... very cruel at the yeah. very least it's very cool and then she just goes right back into listing listing demons mm-hmm. yep i mean there's some degree that you're like is it that just being isolated in this way drives people crazy yeah i mean it's one of those thoughts i had i watched it a couple of times and every time when I got to the end, I was like, I still can't really tell. <laughs> yeah. What's going on you know? here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I mean, like you said, we were saying, joking before this, how this movie hits a little different in pandemic times. And, and I think a big part of that for me was knowing how isolation can totally creep up on your mental health. Oh, yeah. You know, and that was really resonating <laughs> as I watched them both kind of 
coming unglued. Despite the fact that for the first time, Lizzie has someone out there with her and they're not alone and they do initially have a friendship. There's something about this total being cut off from everyone else that it would be very hard. It would be very hard. And I, it made me reflect a lot about like, what must it been like to be a pioneer woman, right? Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we get the scene where Lizzie gives birth to her stillborn son. And they, you know, she names him Samuel. And they go out to bury him under the one tree that's standing in this prairie. And she buries her Bible with him because she's kind of just... You know, she says, well, he'll get you more use out of it than I will. And also, it's just important for the future. Mm-hmm. In present times, a reverend appears on Lizzie's doorstep. Yes, and so she, she lets him in, feeds him, you know, directs him to the harbor's cabin because, you know, night is falling. She says, you shouldn't be out at night. You know, the harbor cabin is empty. You can stay there until morning. And then she goes, don't let anyone in after dark, even me. And he's kind of like oh okay and i the one of the things i really loved about this scene was the shot where he's riding away and his silhouette of him on the horse is on the side of her house just super sharp and clear Mm -hmm. and i loved that shot it was just beautiful i don't know if it has significance of any kind but i just thought it was a really really beautiful shot Mm -hmm. yep yeah so lizzie sends him to the harper's cabin and then you know goes about her business isaac and gideon are still in town been a couple of days that sucks i can't oh god I know it's the isolation thing, but, you know, if it's like when you have a roommate, but your roommate's out of town, so you're just home by yourself for the weekend or a few days or whatever. This is like, there's no options. It's just you don't even get to hear other people. It's just the yeah. wind. What's interesting is he says, I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. But what it feels like, and I think this is intentional, is that it feels like he's gone for months. Yeah, it feels like a lot longer. Which is why the first time you see her pregnant, I was like, wait, has it been months? because the movie really does dilate time for you in that way yeah and i think Mm -hmm. some of it is messing around with the timeline really extends how long he's gone and maybe she really did go crazy or whatever in those two days but it feels so much longer and i think some of that is because we're we're living through her perspective right and Mm -hmm. and it feels like a lot more days than potentially he was really gone Yeah, yeah. It does feel a lot longer. I agree. So that night, the reverend shows up on Lizzie's doorstep just panicked, and he's like, there's something out here, please let me in. And she, you know, makes him stand in front of the window to see who it is, and then she lets him in, and he's just terrified, where he's like, there's something out there. And she's like, yeah, I know, I've seen it, but, you know, my husband doesn't believe me, that's why we're still out here. And he's just, and then, classic demon uh-oh, did I slip up? Move. Oh, it's he does, really creepy. Yeah, he does the, he doesn't? Well, he must have won Emma, and then you get that, like, oh, well, why would he know that name? And then he, that's, sorry, there's a fly on my mic. Ah, get out of my face! <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. I was like, I don't want my mouth open and right next to it. I know it's going to go for my mouth. Oh my god, you're having a full Amityville experience right now. I know. What is going on? No, oh, Jesus. Okay. All right, I think it's gone. Sorry, I had to take a moment because I was like, like I got it. The ghosts mo- of all the spiders that you have killed in that closet are like, see? <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I got to move away. I can't have my mouth open. No, and I was also staring at it the whole not. time. And it's like, 
Oh, fuck. I might need a minute. <laughs> okay. I think it's gone. But yes, it, this is a very creepy scene when he, you know, the Reverend is like, oh, man. And I was having so much fun. And then his eyes are all black oh. and he starts transforming into uh-huh. his demons. Oh, it was so good. And we don't get necessarily a direct view of the demon but just seeing that shadow shape on the wall and like the sparks and Mm -hmm. things and so lizzie just takes off into the night the next morning when she's wandering home again she comes across the reverend's body so you know who knows who knows if at any point that reverend was actually the reverend right and when she gets home she finds her front door open and the bible that she'd buried with her son sitting on the ground and that's when Lizzie makes some decisions about where uh, where her future is headed. And we yeah. we get the, you know, she takes a bath, she puts on one of her best dresses, and then she goes to kill herself under the tree where they buried Samuel. But just as she's going to do it, she hears a horse in the distance and Isaac shows up. And she does not believe it's him at first she holds him at gunpoint because i mean understandably the whole reverend thing just happened so you know this could be whoever but it is isaac and terrifyingly he's like oh yeah i passed the reverend on my way in and he said that uh you were very hospitable Mm -hmm. and she's just like okay doesn't tell him it was a demon but i mean he doesn't believe her so why would she and she and they they head home so Men have arrived to pack up the Harper's cabin, and Lizzie's just kind of watching from a distance. And then uh, when it's over, Isaac shows up, and he's like, oh, and hey, look what I got you. And it's the drunk. Right. The last thing she wants. She thinks, you know, she's finally free of this woman. And there, when, when there's the big ghosty scene where everything is exploding, she something she said, and this is the first sign that maybe she is not so innocent in all this, is she's like, what must I do to be rid of you? Oh, yeah. And so she thinks when she sees those men coming that all of Emma's things are going to be gone. But instead, this very pregnant bellied looking hope chest arrives full of all of her ghost stories, including the, the again, that pamphlet. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. And, you know, and then Isaac makes that comment where he's like, oh, you've gone pale as a ghost. And she's like, I just didn't think i would see anything of theirs again yep like, oh she cannot watch herself of this you're mm-hmm. right like what must i do to be rid of you it's like a telltale heart but it, it just keeps showing up showing up and i know this is just me but then there was a part of me that was like i also would i would have been super torn because then you know isaac's like yeah it's full of books i thought it'd help us get through the winter and i'm like <gasps> there's a part of me that would be like it is full of books but also i can't keep thinking about that woman right but it's books and we live in the middle of nowhere and it's new books. <laughs> yeah. It's books I have not read yet. But also there's a ghost attached to these, but new books. I don't know. I would have been torn. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I mean, there was nothing out there. Nothing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure they have books, but it's one of those things where it's like, I think about this about uh, post-apocalypse too, when you're in the bunker and you have a limited number of books. At that point, they might be the only books that exist in the world. And it's like, yeah. I'm glad we have these five books, but also it's only it's five books, right? You're like, it's just the Harry Potter series. I need something else. It's one of those things you're like out looking for food or whatever, and you find a a whole book and you're like, I found a new book. I feel like there's got to be like a short story in there, right? Something about getting out of a bunker and discovering all the books that you didn't know existed. Someone who maybe grew up in a bunker. 
I don't know. Like, I, I need, it needs more work, but there's some there's an interesting idea there. Or I just keep thinking of books becoming the new currency because anybody who's like, right. it's a thing that I haven't read yet because there's no, mm-hmm. you know, access to content would have been zero, you know? <laughs> right. And so can you imagine the excitement of coming across a book that you have not read yet right. instead of the five that you've read over and over and over again because there's nothing else to do? Right. Oh, my God. It'd be amazing. It would be hard it would to give up. It would become a new currency. It would. You're right. I mean, hello, we have a freaking podcast about it. We, as human beings, we need food, water, light, and stories. You know? We do. Yeah. We do. I mean, there's a reason that the earliest things we have are oral traditions and things being written down, learning to write language. We need. It's just like another essential thing for humans, for our mental health, to have stories. Yeah, and I wonder what it would do to a person if, like I said, you only had five books and that was it. And that was all you had to do over and over and over again. Grim. Absolutely grim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it's like, I'm not a hoarder. I'm just preparing for the apocalypse. We'll be grateful for your library in the end times. Thank you. Oh, I'm going to live like a queen. (laughs) Like, welcome to my room of books. You're the Jeff Bezos of the apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> i mean again yeah i would have feelings about it if i were in her position but again also a, a winter in the prairie yeah more books more books are good so she's unloading the trunk she's putting the books on the shelves when emma's pamphlet of the demons of the prairie flutters out and uh god damn that thing just will not go away because isaac in a scene where it was one of the previous happening scenes where isaac's kind of talking you know she telling Isaac she saw something and I think it's the same scene where he gives her the shotgun and tells her you know use this the next time you think you see a demon and he burns her pamphlet because he thinks it's putting the wrong ideas and the wrong thoughts into her head which I mean I mean yeah he might have had a point yeah being honest but I remember any of the demons from that I pulled screenshots if you're curious oh I remember Mara yeah was it she the keeper of graves Mara is the dammer of souls. Who uh, I only, like, I only remember mi- the minds of men leading them away from the Lord our God. So the reason I asked is just because there's a lot of these here that I think speak to plot points in the movie. So there is the invoker of fear, the bringer of vengeance, the keeper of graves. And she keeps repeating the one about the one that brings jealous thoughts. Yes. Like Emma keeps repeating that one. There's uh, the invader of a weak mind and bringer of delusion, the prince of trickery, the confuser, and then demon of falsehood, seductress, indication of death, dammer of souls, prince of pestilence, bringer of jealous thoughts, master of fire, tempter of the holy, and shapeshifter. All of those pretty much apply to this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yep. I only remembered Mara because I always really liked that name. It's a good name. Like, oh, yeah, dang it, is it a? I mean, all the best names demon? are demon names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Lizzie keeps Emma's pamphlet. So I, I mean, we kind of have a conversation between Lizzie and Isaac at this point. I think it's when he finds the journal and he wants to know how long she's had it. Right. Because, I mean, I think his thing being like how long have you known about this and said nothing that you knew i did this thing Mm -hmm. and he's very mad and then he finds emma's pamphlet and is like i burned this and lizzie says well it was emma's you know and he goes well obviously she shouldn't have been reading it because she killed herself and lizzie goes i don't know that that's what happened Mm -hmm. 
And again, the first time watching this movie, I was like, oh, it's because it was demons. The second time I was like, Lizzie, try it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Don't be ratting yourself out, girl. So, again, I knew my notes were going to get weirder and weirder towards the end. What I have next just says, Isaac storms out, Lizzie gets her ass kicked by wind. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. That's what happens. That is what happens. Isaac storms out, Lizzie tries to stop him, and he does his, like, there's nothing out here, and then he leaves. Mm -hmm. So Lizzie grabs her shotgun to follow him, and then she gets her ass kicked by wind. Yes, she does. It's all tossed around. And at one point, she lands on a pair of scissors and gets a pretty bad, you know, stab wound. And when she wakes up, she's tied to the bed. Yep. And Isaac's mad. Yes. And he's reading through the journal and starting to put together that he thinks Lizzie killed Emma. Because mm-hmm. he starts the whole, like, what did you do? How'd she get your gun? You know? Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we're getting flashback scenes of. Emma, who seems to have just lost her mind, you know, because it's the middle of the night, it's raining, she's out dancing around on the prairie with Lizzie's shotgun, and Lizzie's trying to talk her down, and Emma's, and again, she starts having these just very, like, she's happy, and she's excited, she tells Lizzie she told Gideon to leave and to not come back, and that she's so happy that it's just gonna be them, you know, herself, Isaac, Lizzie, and the baby. And then Lizzie shoots her in the head. Yep, she sure does. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, in present time, Lizzie is sawing through the ropes that tie her to the bed with a shard of glass, which, I'm sorry, I really liked this movie. How many more times are we going to handle shards of glass to do things like cut through ropes and not be like, and it sliced all my fingerprints off, you know? Although her hand was bleeding, which I appreciated. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just over the using shards of glass as yeah. weapons yeah. And to cut through rope. And also, I feel like it would take a long time to saw through a rope that thick with a shard of glass that's also yeah. slicing the pads off your fingers and yeah. the hands. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so Isaac's ranting and he's very upset when he turns around. Or Lizzie starts to see the demon shadow coming into the room. And then when he turns around, his eyes are all black. And Lizzie's trying to convince him that they need to get out of there. And then she cuts through the ropes all the way. Isaac lunges to try to stop her. And she stabs him in the throat with a shard of glass. Yeah. And then we kind of get just some very, I mean, I have thoughts about, or I have questions about what's happening here. But Lizzie kind of stumbles out into the prairie where she kind of just lays down. And dies. Kind of convoluted, yeah, dies on the prairie. Yep, yep, basically bleeds out from falling on those scissors. Yep. Yeah, but the we end. also see when she very first gets the pamphlet. That's one of her flashbacks. Is We see oh, yeah. that she had met that reverend on the road before, and he's yeah. the one that slid her the pamphlet and says, you can never be too prepared. And yeah. that, to me, feels like an important scene. So, okay, where do, where do you land on the how much of this is real? No idea. I'm so, I'm so back and forth on it because on the one hand, yeah, I want it to be a demon story. And there was enough that made it seem like it could be. But at the same time, the whole time, every time I saw it, I was like, but how much of this is in her head? Yeah. But then when the reverend thing shows up, I'm like, well, was that the demon spreading these little pamphlets around to get people thinking about demons? Mm-hmm. And then that's how he comes in. But then when she wanders out, like, clearly the very last scenes of this movie are, you know, her mind falling apart. Absolutely. She, you know. So then it's like, huh, I don't know. I'm so confused. So I think you can read this ending a lot of different ways. I think you can say, oh, it was all in her head. She's had a nervous breakdown. The isolation got to her. In addition to postpartum depression, 
and the loss of a child and then this woman coming along like the loss of potential loss of her partner all these things working to break her down i think that that is a totally fair reading of it i think there's also like a very everything you're seeing is real reading that you could probably also make a really good case for See, that's why I'm so on the fence, because I can see both, and I don't have anything that pushes me in either direction. So I think it is both. Oh, yeah? Yes. And the reason being is two things. One, the, the last scene where we see this preacher is that he's reading these women on the road before they go out there. And I feel like he is maybe that demon that is basically planting seeds. Planting seeds. And the reason is because there's very little concrete that we can say this definitely happened or this didn't happen with the exception of one thing and it's the thing you don't like it's the piece of broken glass why would there be broken glass in the house if the wind did not break those windows in that way they would have broken out if she had broken those windows oh so the wind did break those windows so that's why i think it is a mixture of two things i think some of it is in her head for sure but the seed has been planted by an actual demon who was exacerbating both hers and Emma's situations. Oh, that's my I like that's that. my interpretation. That's where I landed. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Because I do think. I mean, I don't know that I love the narrative where she's just crazy, and I don't think that. Oh, I definitely don't like that. Yeah, and I I don't know based on the other things I've seen by Emma Tammy and that were written with this this uh, her partner her screenwriting partner, not her life partner. I think that this movie has a very feminist sensibility where it's like talking about the difficulties and realities of women's lives and the complexity of a woman's life and the issues that women face that are specific to women. And I don't think that with that kind of intention that she would lean into a hysteria narrative. Right. So I do think there's a, they give you enough little clues that you can't just sort of watch this passively. You have to be looking for the clues, but there are breadcrumbs there that allow you to kind of like see that it's probably middle ground. I I like that. I like that better than it being either one Mm -hmm. entirely. I like it that it's a mixture of both. I think it is. That's what I'm going with too. Yeah. I I mean, I really, I mean, I, I really actually think it is, but I guess it's up to people's interpretation, but the right answer is both. (laughs) (laughs) But if you interpreted that it's both, then you are correct. Yes. yes. So <laughs> overall thoughts. What did you think of this one? I liked it. I mean, I always love the slow burn movies and the yeah. really purposefully paced movies. So I've really liked that about this one. That sense of isolation is terrifying. Ooh. And it just adds that extra level of, you know, the events of this movie would have been less terrifying if there had been a different setting. I mean, and even even Prairie versus Woods, even if it's not taking away the isolation, even if it's just something about it being so open, mm-hmm. where it's like you should be able to see something coming from a mile away. Right. And this is the one thing that can still sneak up on you in the prairie. You know? And you're so vulnerable because there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. You know, like you can see things coming, but you also can't hide from things. They're going to see your cabin. Yeah. You know, we talk about the movies that take place in the woods and how scary the woods are at night and things. Because I was thinking about that, where it's like, would this have been scarier if it was in the woods? And it wouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. Because as much as the woods provides a lot of cover in places, you know, things can pop out from behind things and whatever. But there's something about the fact that nothing should be able to sneak up on her. And yet something is repeatedly. Well, I mean, the thing, the reason this would, I think, part of why it works so much better on the prairie in this is because what the prairie 
presents us with in this time period is what makes the woods scary now, right? Because it's that isolation. You have mm-hmm. to go out into the woods to be alone now. But back then, you you just go west it, and you're alone. Yeah, it was just a side effect of wanting to live your life you know a different way you know where you're like oh i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna start my own homestead i'm gonna be my i'm gonna own my own land and part of one of those things that you're also agreeing to is that isolation mm-hmm. i also yeah. just thought this movie was so interesting in the way that it focused on women right you realize how few of these westerns tell women's stories until you see one and then you're like god i've never seen this before of yeah the dozens of freaking westerns that i've sat through in my life I've never seen this take before where it's exclusively through the female perspective and what it is like to live as a homesteader. The closest I've been to it was that there was a series of things that I had seen on like PBS where it was historical reenactments where people would live like a particular time for a couple of months, which was fascinating and upsetting. And thank God we live when we do. But (laughs) this is the first time I think in a fictional narrative film that I've seen this perspective of that time period told yeah i hadn't thought about it like that but i agree with you because all those movies are normally would have been the men's adventure leaving the house and traveling the prairie and getting to town and things and you don't think about the fact that there was a woman just in the cabin for three days by herself in the middle of nowhere and the fear that would come from that right because there is no recourse there is no safety net at all out there you are alone and it is a unsafe place to be there are wolves there are maybe some demons and then anybody who comes across you there's a very good chance that they do not have good intentions right and And you have no one can hear you scream no one can hear you scream and that's pretty terrifying i remember there was a series on netflix that was a western and it was pitched as this town that was all women because all the men had been killed and so they had to basically make the town themselves that's how the trailer was then you watched it and it was barely about the women and about the two men that came to town (laughs) i was like oh oh so hot dude and it had the best cast all these amazing women that were just totally sidelined so that we could watch bill pullman it was so annoying and this kind of fulfilled the promise of that to some degree where i was like oh we're gonna get to see a women in a western setting i mean we did not populate the west listen i get like let's not get into colonialism and this is problematic <laughs> as fuck. And I was watching this and I was like, I'm rooting for this woman, but probably she would have been a heinous, racist piece of shit. But eh, yeah, for the sake of this conversation, let's just set that <laughs> aside. But I was thinking in order for us to have ever populated the West, there had to be a lot of women and what that life looked like. I feel like we see them show up in kitchens. Occasionally there'll be one that is breaking gender stereotypes and wearing pants, but you never really see internal life of women on the West. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and it's, it's, it shows a lot in this movie in the very beginning when Gideon and Isaac, Lizzie just performed a C-section on a corpse. And then the men are like, well, we're going to go to town and hire some movers. You mind scrubbing up the blood? All right. See you in four days. Man, that scene you where know? she's cleaning the blood out of the kitchen is in some ways the most gruesome part of the movie to me. Yeah. Just the, the trauma of having done what you just did and going through what you just went through and then being left completely alone to clean it up. Mm-hmm. I that's That's bad. That would be an upsetting time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to just be alone with the blood and the fresh fresh memory of what you just had to do yeah tough yeah. time yeah yeah mm-hmm. but what's great is it reads as someone who's just been through the traumatic experience of having to do the c-section on a corpse 
what you don't realize is all the other stuff that's happening until yeah. retrospectively you look back and you're like, oh, there's the reason she's so shut down is because there's a lot more going on here. Although I'm not entirely convinced that she, I think at this point she still knows she did it. But by the end when she's like, I don't think that's what happened. I think there's some part of her that is broken from reality. Like her reality testing is a fail. But oh. by the time she says that. Yeah. Because this demon has successfully gotten in her head. Yeah. But yeah, I liked this a lot. It is grim as fuck. It does require you to be someone who enjoys a slow burn, which fortunately both of us are. I think people who want it to be like a James Wan on the West are going to have a hard time with this one. I think people who are not especially interested in the interior lives of women might not find as much to grab here. But I think for the people in our audience who do enjoy a slow burn, who do have a feminist turn of mind i think they're gonna <laughs> find a lot interesting in this one yeah and i mean as much as i really like this movie it's not one that i would recommend to everyone but right. only because it's one thing if it's there's a difference between being like oh well i you know someone who prefers slashers to monster films but someone who does not enjoy a slow burn i it's i know it's so hard to keep paying attention to something when yeah. you think it's moving way too slow because i mean as much as i love a slow burn i have watched movies that i'm like come on oh for sure and all of a sudden it's 20 minutes later and i'm like oh i i have not paid attention to this at all and we're <laughs> yeah, in a completely absolutely. different spot absolutely. and that's at the point where i'm like well it might be might be time to pack it in on this movie because i clearly mm-hmm. am not able to to grasp this one so i understand like a slow burn not for everyone wouldn't recommend it to someone who does not enjoy that and cannot sit through it but Mm -hmm. for anyone who can yeah i would recommend this yeah i mean honestly for the performance of caitlin gerard who plays lizzie alone it's worth a watch she's honestly stellar in this oh yeah and it she would need to be because it it lies entirely on her shoulders yeah yeah did you watch the fear the fear street movie trilogy yet no okay so the guy who plays her husband, Isaac, is one of the main characters in the Fear Street trilogy. Oh. Also, you should totally watch the Fear Street trilogy. It's <laughs> so good. You will love it. It is so good. And it's on Netflix. Highly, highly recommend. I know. You keep recommending it to me and I keep forgetting to watch it. So I haven't watched it yet. But when you get around it to noted. it, when you get around to it, you're, you're in for a treat. You'll get there. When the time comes, yeah. when the time is right, you will put it on and you'll be like, oh, my God. I'm having a great time. <sighs> All right. Awesome. I think we both have pretty positive feelings about this. So, you know, you at home, choose your own adventure. And if you uh, were going to watch this again, Mars, this is a very important question. I need to know from you. What would you be drinking while you did it? I would be drinking just straight buffalo trace Ooh, buffalo trace i love i bu- love buffalo <laughs> trace and why buffalo trace because buffaloes are on the prairie and this seems like a very uh you're just drinking whiskey straight and not yeah. shots you're just slowly sipping your whiskey this is a whiskey sipping thinking kinda. about mm-hmm. thinking about all the things that brought you to where you are <laughs> You're like the mistakes and the possibilities along the way, but here I am, and I've got a big old glass of dr- buffalo trace, so I did at least one thing right. <laughs> I made at least one good choice today. <laughs> buffalo trace is pretty fucking great. 
All right. Awesome. Okay. So for those of you at home, if you have some thoughts, you can always drop us a line at Rachel at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z. Or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ZG Podcasts and throw a like at us. If you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at the Zombie Girls website. And if you're looking for some cool new merch, guess what? We've got some. So check it out at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. And if you love us and you want to support us, you can do so on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls. You're catching the pattern. There is a pattern. This is really exciting. It's October. It is spooky season. We got to do something special. Right, Ariel? Oh, yeah. We got to step up our October game. So for the month of October, we are going to be putting that awesome Discord perk at the $1 level. So at the $1 level, you can join our Patreon. If you're already a patron and you're not on the Discord, baby, you are missing out. Hop on. Let's chat. We have some fun things planned for the month of October. We're going to be doing a group watch slash kind of lightweight league for season four of Dragula, which will be a lot of fun. It's on Shudder. We'll be watching it together. We'll be cheering on our favorite queens. We'll be placing some bets. There may be prizes. I'm just <laughs> saying. Uh, we also are probably going to do a group watch or two of different movies. And we're going to do a horror trivia night, too, which we're really excited about. We've done yes. before, and they are so much fun. Yes. So, yeah. I need so to reclaim this- my crown. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget Christopher Walken's name again. <laughs> oh, that was a dark day in horror trivia history. <laughs> but yeah, we have so much fun doing things like that on the Discord. And so for this month, if you just join for a dollar, you get to get all of that good stuff. So for the month of October only, get in now at the $1 level and you can have Discord so that is our exciting news about Patreon this month. We hope that you'll join us and support us and hang out with us. <laughs> so speaking of feedback, we got some. We actually got a couple Ooh. of interesting emails. First of all, we got another <laughs> We got quite the application to join our bunker. Oh. Okay. Not only is there a resume here, there is a cover letter. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so let's start with our cover letter. Now this comes from Cat Cat, who I'm guessing hated this movie. <laughs> she <laughs> does not enjoy all of our art house slow burn movies, and she, but she's a good trooper and watches all of them. And then it's just like, what the fuck are you making me watch? <laughs> so I'm surprised she even wants to be in our bunker. But here we go. So this comes from Cat. She says, "To whom it may concern, I do like the the gravitas that we're getting here. We're a whom it may concern now, Mars. I mean, we're a, a professional establishment. This is." I mean, we were very seriously considering buying land before the show started tonight, so maybe these things are going to matter more than we think. (laughs) All right. Please consider my qualifications for this position. I have learned that an opening is available on your team. I would like to be seriously considered as a candidate. With over 20 years of experience in a variety of fields, I am confident that I can make a significant contribution to your collaboration. What makes me different from the other applicants? I'm self-motivated and dependable. I have demonstrated poise and confidence in all situations. I easily establish excellent rapport with others. I can quickly identify needs and problems and then provide solutions. While my resume highlights several of my soft skills, there are also some hard skills that should be noted. This would be things like the ability to drive a stick shift. 
Get a Ooh, Jeep. Mm, I know. I can drive one, or I could drive one. I haven't driven one in like 30 years. That's not true. That's too long. <laughs> 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> I haven't driven a stick shift in 87 years. And I a mean, dog 20. Year. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. I would be able to do uh, this would be things like the ability to drive a stick, get a vehicle unstuck from mud, childhood oh. filled filled with hunting and fishing, training with firing rifles. Oh my god, she's in. She's in. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Firing rifles, shotguns, and handguns. Approved entry would mean that I would bring with me a direct increase in simple self-defense items such as duct tape, knives, hatchets. While historical trauma does make for hilarious evening stories, it also means that I can blend with most people. Notice when a situation is changing and a willingness to say what needs to be said. Likewise, important. that is important because you all know I'm way too soft. I'll I'll never confront anyone. Same. <laughs> we'll need Kat to be the person who will like whisper in her ear and be like, can you tell her? But don't tell her it was my idea, okay? All right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, my access to a surplus of anxiety means that I have a backup plan for my backup plans, organization, and I am great in an emergency or stressful situations. If, after review of my resume, you would be interested in conducting an interview, please feel free to contact me at any time. I am very eager to meet with you and explore the possibility of utilizing my experience and knowledge to benefit your future. Thank you for your time and consideration. Sincerely, Kat. Holy shit, she knows how to write a cover letter. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's take a look at her resume, shall we? Bunker resume. She asks, do I make the cut our references desired? All right. I'm going to... I need to share this with you because it is actually quite uh, thorough. All right. I'm going to read you it and then I'm going to send it to you just so you can uh, take a, get, get eyeballs on it. So, okay. Kat, weird friend, Sarah's wife, eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> Profile, a well-rounded middle-aged woman that is here to, t to take your group up a notch. As an extroverted introvert, I am here to deal with the people for you. Excellent. Give yes. you some space. Excellent. And generally, yes. I am a fun hang. A different yes. perspective for interesting conversations. I don't have any life-threatening allergies. Good at learning new things. I am from a long line of country people taking over city spots. Considerations. Domestic goddess. I own a sewing machine and materials. Cook, grill, and bake. Good with sweet and savory for both small and large groups. I has the alcohols. <laughs> In. In and done. <laughs> Good at growing and killing the things needed to make the food. Done. done. And yes. honestly, I have been to her house and I have seen her garden. She's not fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> she is constantly making things from her own garden, which blows my mind. Oh my god! Yeah, like whole I'm, meals. I mean, I was whole meals sold several minutes ago, but yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Own the average range of hardware tools. Good basics, medical knowledge, and first aid. Travel well. Standard traveling starts with basic emergency supplies, such as tools and snacks. Bug out supplies include three to five days of basics and games. <laughs> yes. Time and space. I bring the things to fill the time. Lots of books and craft supplies. Hello. We were just talking about books. And uh, yeah. I, again, I've been to her apartment. They have a lot of fucking books. I offer space to not be around the peoples. 
I am comfortable dealing with the outside people. I can be the no person. Excellent. We need oh, a no person. Yes. I mean, this honestly, there's a lot of essential skills here, but the no person might be numero uno. <laughs> because here's the thing is there are a lot of essential skills that I don't have that I feel like I could learn, but the, the, the no. Yeah, it's no the it's the person the personality aspects that i'm like ah, i got what i got <laughs> that's it <laughs> uh okay uh i can go out and rescue or block the door and keep those that we can't allow in comfortable climbing ladders hey oh hey yes getting dirty hey that's for me yay <laughs> <laughs> fixing stuffs killing the bugs and or transporting them elsewhere skills ocd organizing and planning Fire safe making, first aid basics, cooking, sewing, map reading, gardening, education, hard knocks. Life has taught me weird stuff. <laughs> all right. Okay. I think uh, all in favor of Kat joining the bunker say aye. Aye. Oh, aye. <laughs> all right, Kat, you're in. It's unanimous. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Our bunker continues to grow. So, what are we up and to now? It's you, me, Randy, Zach. Jenny. Jen and Sean. Jen and Sean. Kat. And I'm, you know, we got to let Sarah in too. We're not going to make her leave her yeah. wife behind. Was there anybody yeah. else that has joined the bunker? Who, am I forgetting anybody who's who, who has, has applied? Ariel. Ariel, of course. <laughs> of course. All right, cool. So we're up to nine people. There's still some so room in our need... bunker. Yeah. Well, and we can expand the bunker. It's really just a blueprint at this point. I mean, more hands make for lighter work, right? The bigger, mm -hmm. the more people we have, the more we can expand the bunker because there'll be people to do it. So yeah, yeah. I think we're good. I think we're off to a good start for our. I think compound. so too. I'm feeling, I'm feeling positive about right? this. Right now, we need someone who's very comfortable cleaning litter boxes, and then we're fucking golden. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty comfortable with it. Oh, excellent. All right, great. Um, and then we got another email. We got more clown mail. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> so Charlie wrote in and says, clown agenda. We lived on the poor side of town, and most of my neighbors were, were field workers. They saw us coming and going as clowns all the time, of course. It was just what we had to do to make ends meet. Can you imagine being the person who's just doing your thing in the field, collecting whatever delicious produce is in season, and you just see these this family of clowns coming and going? Also just going about their business. <laughs> that would be one of those, is this a glitch in the Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> If they knew someone was looking for a clown, they'd throw us some business. I wonder, I did not realize the pipeline of field worker to clown business was like such a crossover. Okay. Yeah. As for my friends, they all knew we were clowns because we had to work all the time. Sometimes we needed extra clowns for, they needed extra clowns for a parade or something. Dude, I had no idea the complexity of clown life. I didn't, I didn't know the industry was so involved. Right. This is very interesting. Okay. Yeah. We take friends with us and they'd all be beclowned. All they had to do was wave at people. Occasionally when I'd go to a friend's house after a party, I'd miss taking off all the makeup in my eyebrows or something. And my friend would casually point it out. Drugs. I can't tell you how normal it all was. No. <laughs> Isn't there that thing about like you don't realize that your childhood is traumatizing till you tell the, a funny story and everyone is aghast? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> whatever the clown equivalent of that is happening right now <laughs> um, I can't tell you how normal it all was of course when people remark how funny my son is he likes to point out that he was raised by clowns and only clowns since the kids and I live with my mom we had clown art here around the house while we were working and forever since 
my dad had a soft spot for clowns that I realize now was passed on to me. I also hated balloons. I still hate them. Oh, that has got to be tough for a clown. Yeah. That's like being the owner of a McDonald's who's like, ugh, hamburgers. Right? Yeah, or like working at an aquarium and being like, Ooh. I love dolphins, but the smell of fish makes me gag. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My brother, however, still likes making balloon animal creations. I have cro- a chronic migraine now. Oh, no. And had episodic migraines back then, so I was always sound sensitive. Yeah, that would do it. Balloons and chronic migraines are not a, are yeah. not a great marriage. You know that awful party game where you have to run to a chair and sit on a balloon and oh, pop it? Oh, God, it's my nightmare. Ooh, she said, an absolute nightmare. We never oh. ran that type of game. I think it, I would have lost it. But we did offer to bring a bouquet of balloons to parties for an extra fee. So I had to make a sort of peace with my fear of, through exposure therapy. Brutal. Yeah, that's rough. Ugh. I can still curl a ribbon of any length, though. And could probably make a balloon sword with my eyes shut. Oh. I'm glad to hear about the zombie girl's personal growth regarding clowns. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sorry you were intentionally terrorized by assholes. Most of us just like making people smile and laugh and forget their troubles for a while. Your pod has made me smile and laugh. And thank you for that. Mars, we're clowns! (laughs) I mean, let's face it, we are clowns. (laughs) Of a different variety. Oh, Char. I will say... There is a humanizing aspect. I feel a little like I've been too hard on clouds. The, the, Same. the needle is moving, Charlie. The needle is moving. Yeah, I am seeing that it was my ignorance that was really making me come from a place of fear. <laughs> so for all of clown kind, you have done you have done a good you've done a good deed. Yeah. I hope there are people in the audience too that are are learning to leave their clown ignorance behind. But also <laughs> balloons are okay yeah no i stand very solidly on my, i look forward on my to someone who was like i was i am a balloon and my whole family is balloons <laughs> <laughs> and your ignorance about balloons is very upsetting <laughs> and as balloons and as a balloon <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you so oh. much for writing in charlie amazing i love the name charlie i don't know if you know this but my entire family calls me charlie that's my family nickname for me Uh, why well okay the story is i guess my dad came home one day and said my name and i was like that's not my name anymore my name is charlie when i was a little little kid and so that's where it came from yeah oh that's kind of cute yeah so but nobody knows that so like when they hear it they're like hey what now are you in the witness protection program what is happening (laughs) you should just like the next time it happens to your family just like he's connected (laughs) my cell phone is on right now (laughs) awesome so yeah if you have some thoughts definitely like charlie and cat let us know you may open our minds or end up in our bunker which both are good things (gasps) or both both. who knows yeah so i guess that just kind of leads what we're going to be watching for the next episode so it's my turn to pick and I figured, let's stay on this whole demon vibe. What do you think? Okay. You t- okay, cool. Yeah. So I have not watched this yet. I have no idea. We're going in cold. I am rolling the dice. <laughs> My favorite. Yeah, you have inspired. I used to only pick things I had seen before, but we've gambled and, you know, come up with some wins. So you've made me braver. I've had. See, I feel like every time we, we do that, most of the time, I think we come out 
happy about it on the other end. There's only been a few misses. Right. So our track record's pretty good. Yeah, right? If this actually were how it worked when I went to Vegas, like really gambled, I would go to Vegas and gamble more. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so we're going to be watching the movie The Old Ways on Netflix. Have you heard of this? Okay. No, I haven't. No, I've never heard okay. of it. Okay. All right. So the description is, while investigating a story of sorcery and healing in Veracruz, a journalist is kidnapped by a group of locals who claim she's the devil incarnate. Ooh. Right? Okay. Right? So I feel yeah, like I'm this in. could be fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited about this All one. right. Cool. All right. So that's pretty much for us, unless you are sticking around for the extended episode where we're going to be talking about, you guessed it demons i'm i got a little game for you marzy bars so i hope you're feeling creative because you're gonna be on the spot sorry Uh (laughs) (laughs) ah take us out thanks for coming back everybody go watch the old ways is that what Mm -hmm. it was the old ways on netflix and we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk it out with you if you are sticking around it's gonna get weird i already have a feeling i'm gonna (laughs) (laughs) Say some weird stuff. I think it's just going to happen. But thanks for listening. We always appreciate it. That's all, folks. Bye, everybody. Night. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to Mars for always being willing to geek out about horror movies with me. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel Messman-Rucker. And our theme song for the show is Die Historic by Three Chain Links. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode. It's about to get a little demonic up in here. I hope you're ready. Um, I'm excited about this. So I, yes, same. So generally, what are your thoughts on demons? Where do you land on demons? Um, I love, I love a good demon movie. Yes. In the right setting. Absolutely terrified that they're present and all around me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but generally... I don't know. I don't know. Like, are you like? Do you mean like? Do I believe? I don't know. Demons, just like, what or? are you like when you hear the word demons? Like, what? What is? What are the thoughts that come to mind? Like, I have like because of my history of being like in indoctrination school. Like, I have definitely have feelings and thoughts about demons. Um, they are like demons are one of those things that just universally scare me. Yeah. Like so, that's why I think I gravitate towards demon movies because mm-hmm. they just. I think it's the one thing that always always scares me. Yeah. And it's like one of the few things that after watching a movie, if I'm walking around my house in the dark, that thought will pop into my head. And then all of a sudden I'm terrified. Like Demons are scary. Like just aesthetically scary. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm sure I've talked about this like when I was in school and they would tell us like not to use Ouija boards because of demons. Have I told you this? Mm-hmm. No. So like they would tell us not to use Ouija boards because they were full of demons. And like people who... If you if you tried to like use a Bible around a, a Ouija board and you weren't like actually saved, the Ouija board would throw the Bible at you. Oh my god! And if you tr- threw, they told you if you threw a Ouija board into a fire, it would scream because it was like with all the voices of the demons inside it. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, demons were like our take up um like they were definitely talked about a lot in my childhood, and so even though I don't necessarily believe all that stuff anymore. Like, I think the, if they get you early and often, you know, like the, the seeds are there to where demons will always be scary. That's so, that's, 
I think the crazy part about that to me is that they're teaching you that like physical things would happen. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, okay, demons scare me, but I also don't believe that if I burned a Ouija board, I'd hear the screams of a thousand demons. Yeah. You know, but like, so it's crazy that that's what they would teach you. They would always t- like talk about how like demons were constantly whispering in your ear, like the bad thoughts that you had or the temptations that you had to do bad things were because there was like a demon assigned to you that would whisper in your ear and tempt you. Oh. oh yeah oh this is why i think i'm such a weird horror movie person is because i believed all of that was real and literal when i was little oh my god oh, yeah and that's why that's traumatizing i think that's also why when i have sleep paralysis it's always demonic oh like with the hands and the nails and stuff on my body yeah. i think that's all stuff from childhood and like like really believing the demons were real and like present in my life but there was also guardian angels and things like that. So, you know, like to protect you and that like you could call out the name of Christ and it would like drive the demon away. Like there were things you could do, but they were very much a real thing growing up. Oh, my God. Yeah. But that's I mean, as a horror fan, that's great, though, because it makes those things really scary. <laughs> Also, too. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Demons. I'm pro-demons in horror, in horror movies, is I guess what I was saying. Um, okay. So, we're going to play a little game. And do you feel like if you were to face off with a demon, what do you think your odds would be of winning the fight? Um... I need you to, like, um, embrace your inner final girl right now. See, but here's, okay. So, here's the thing. Is that assessing whether, like, how long I could hang? I don't know. But I lack the knowledge that it would require. Because you're not going to punch out a demon. Right. You know, like, it's, you know, you're not going to throw a demon out of a third story window and be like, aha. So it really comes down to, like, demon fighting knowledge that ends up being the thing. You just have to last long enough to get it to work. I don't have that knowledge. Gotcha. So. I don't know. I'd hang out as long as possible, but I ultimately would need a, a an assist of sorts on that. Okay, so you'd like need to go to the library and like look up the microfiche and find the story of the demon and like go and yeah, or you know, talk to the find the... the demonology professor at the library. yeah yeah. I'm that person. Okay. Awesome. Well, what if I told you I'm going to be that person for you tonight? Oh. Yeah, set. Perfect. Okay, so we're going to play a little game called Spank the Demon. No. Uh, Can you thwart the questionable powers of these nine inhabitants of the H-E double hockey sticks? Oh, my God. So we're going to be descending through the nine 